I'm pulling out the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. And I had to take my daughter to camp again. Okay. So last time we talked, I started talking about the design of Khans of Tarkir. Well, today I'm going to continue that story. And going to be continuing for a bunch of podcasts. A lot of story to tell. Okay. So last we left, um, we had come up with the clans. We had figured out they were tied to dragon attributes. Um, and we knew they were wedges. But we had left off there. That's what we knew. Okay, a few things to recap that I forgot to mention last time. First off, my design team. So my design, I, I was the lead of the team. I had Mark Gottlieb, Zach Hill, Adam Lee, Sean Main, uh, Billy Moreno, and Ken Nagel. So Adam Lee was a representative from the creative team. Um, Zach Hill was a representative from the development team. Um, and at some point, Zach became Billy. Zach left and Billy took over. So uh, Zach and Billy were the respective development team members. They, Zach ended up leaving Wizards, and so when he did, Billy took over. Um, and then, uh, Gottlieb and Sean and Nagel are all on my design team. Um, I mean, our, you know, designers. Okay, uh, the development team was Eric Lauer, lead, uh, Doug Beyer, Dave Humphreys, Tom Lapilli, Sean Main, who was the overlap, uh, Adam Prozac, and Adam Prozac. Um, so, usually we have one person who's on both the design team and the development team. In this particular case, that was Sean. Um, and then there is also a de- designer on the development team, in this case, also Sean. Sean served both roles. Um, anyway, and um, uh, Doug Beyer would have been the creative rep on the development team. So the set was coded Huey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, which, by the way, um, turned out to be horrible, horrible code names for two reasons. One is they rhyme, which makes them hard to remember for people. And second is, although there is an actual order, like if you actually watch Donald Duck and his nephew in cartoons, they always refer to them in the same order, but a lot of people didn't know that order. So people were constantly confusing what order. Was it Huey, Louie, Dewey, Louie, Huey, Huey, like Huey, Dewey, Louie. So a lot of people eventually, um, um, Huey, Louie, and Dewey, um, uh, I just messed it up. Huey, Louie, and Dewey. The, the way people remember them is the middle one was L and the last one was D for lunch and dinner is how people tend to remember it. So Huey, Louie, and Dewey. Um, the other interesting thing about Huey, Louie, and Dewey is they're all spelled differently. Um, that uh, Huey's H-U-E-H-U-E-Y, uh, Louie is L-O-U-I-E, and Dewey is D-E-W-E-Y. So they're all spelled differently even though they rhyme. Anyway, a disaster. The funny thing is we vowed, okay, we're not going to have rhyming names again. And then Lock and Stock and Tears and Fears both have rhyming names. So once we're done with those, no more rhyming names. But we, we still have a few rhyming names left in the system. Um, so the set had 269 cards, 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 uncommons, and 15 mythic rares. I'm sorry, 53 rares. 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 mythic rares, 20 basic lands. And the set came out on September 26, 2014. Okay, so let's get back to the story. Um, okay, so we knew, we knew we had five clans that were wedge-based. We knew we had morph. So one of the things that we wanted to do was, I was really interested. I always talk about trying to get the right feel for the set. Well, I knew we were doing warlords, right? We were doing constant fighting. I really wanted to get the mindset of, I'm, I'm in constant battle, that I'm, I'm in this sort of war-torn environment. So I wanted a lot of sort of, um, stress to the system, and I wanted it to be very combat-centric. That, you know, I, if you were a warlord, you're constantly fighting, just like, no end to the fighting. It's just ongoing. And I was trying to recreate that. I wanted to get that warlord sort of sense, of the sense of just constantly fighting. Um, okay, so the first mechanic we came up with actually didn't happen during design. It happened during exploratory design. 
So once we knew we were doing Morph, I asked the team, or I mean, I asked Ethan Sean with the team. I asked the exploratory design team. Actually, that's a little unfair. I started with Ethan and Sean. I gave them assignments. And then Ethan and Sean quickly figured out that it was beneficial to get other people involved. So what happened was they would ask other designers or other people in R&D to aid them. And those people would sort of rotate through. Um, but they'd get other people to help them. Uh, and so even though Ethan and Sean were the ones that would meet with me, they had other help doing stuff. Um, and that idea of having a rotating cast actually influenced how we now do exploratory design. So... But anyway, um, Ethan and Sean, I gave them the assignment. I said, okay, we know we want to do morph. Give me some mechanics that play well with morph. So one of the things, that, one of the things we realized is uh, one of the fun things about morph is, is there's a certain bluffing aspect where I attack my 2-2 creature. Um, I have mana, so maybe my 2-2 creature could be something, um, but you don't know. And what, one of the things is we wanted to give you reasons why you would attack with your creatures, even though it nece- wasn't necessarily beneficial for you to do so. And what I mean by that is that one of the fun things about Morph is you can bluff with them. Like, I could have a creature that I, even though I have mana, I can't turn it into anything that's going to cause problems for you, but you don't know that. Like, one of the things that's very funny is a lot of people um, argue about how Morph creatures... If you take a morph creature and take it out of a color that can unmorph it, that is just a great ogre. It's just a three-mana 2-2. And my argument is, no, it's more than that, because your opponent doesn't know what the potential is. So it's a 2-2 creature with a threat. And even though, even if that threat is something you know isn't real, your opponent doesn't know it's not real. So when I splash an off-color morph, for example, and I put it on the battlefield, even though to me it's only a 2-2, I get benefit out of it beyond it just being a 2-2, because my opponent treats it as a mysterious thing that could be something more. Anyway, what that means is, one of the fun things is, we wanted to give you motivation to attack for it, to give a rationale why you might attack, where it might not be what it would be. And so they came up with the idea of raid. So raid was a mechanic, in fact it was called raid in exploratory design, was a mechanic that just said, I reward you for attacking. So raid is kind of like in the morbid school of mechanics, which says, I, something happens, provided this turn you've already done something. Did something die? Did something attack? Something must have happened. I have a bonus if something's already happened this turn. Um, and so the nice thing about that is, it encourages you to attack. And what it means is sometimes you're attacking, not because it's beneficial to attack, but because you're trying to get, because you're trying to trigger raid. And so it created this neat dynamic with morph, where I would attack with a morph creature, and you're like, oh... Is that something for me to be afraid of? Or are you just throwing it away to trigger raid? I didn't know. And it created interesting things. So we knew we had raid. We had played with raid. We liked raid. So once we had ironed down all the... Remember, we had five uh, clans tied to the dragon aspects. So we had... Oh, I didn't talk about which one was which. Let me talk about that for a sec. Okay, so I, I had the wedges. And the question is, which wedges should go with which attribute? Um, so remember, the attributes we were going for were speed... Strength, uh, sorry, speed. Well, we would later change these words. At the time, it was speed, strength, intelligence, endurance, and majesty. Um, and then later on, as I explained last time, uh, strength would become savagery, intelligence would become cunning, and uh, majesty would become ruthlessness. Um, but okay, so we had these five different things. Who wanted to go where? So we knew. Um, 
we knew that the red, black, white wanted to be pretty aggressive. Because red and white are the two most aggressive colors, and black is number three, um, you know, as far as attacking quickly. So I'm like, okay, well, these are the three colors that are the most aggressive in how quickly they attack, especially red and white. So like, okay, this wants to be the aggressive color. So okay, that makes sense to make it the speed color. Red, white, black will be the speed color. Um, oh, and the other thing that went on is um, we had to figure out where to center the color. And um, okay, this story has layers upon layers. So one of the things that happened is I had planned for the third set to be enemy colors. I love the idea of enemy dragons. Like, you know, it's a world in chaos. Why not enemy colors working together? Um, but then Eric Lauer came to me and explained the problem. So it turns out the way you draft a wedge set is you first draft enemy colors. The reason you do that is that you leave yourself open to two possible clans. For example, if I draft red and blue, okay, I could still draft white and go to Jeskai, or I could draft green and go to Teemer. But if I draft blue-white, well, the only clan that has blue and white in it is Jeskai. I mean, if I draft blue-white, I have only one option to me. So the correct way to draft uh, a wedge set is to draft enemy colors. And so that meant is what, um, because the um, development team wants to make sure there's always 10 archetypes that you can draft, in a wedge set, the backup would be the, the enemy color things. So the idea is that we would have five wedges and then five enemy colors, and that if you can't, you know, we would give you some enemy color support because that can go in two different wedges, and if you get in trouble, well, maybe you just stay with the enemy color. You don't pick a third color. But the problem was that meant that the, the set wanted to have enemy color stuff in it and wanted to have a focus with enemy color. If the third set was all about drafting enemy color, Eric's complaint was it was too similar. You would start from the same place. You would draft enemy colors. So Eric convinced me that I needed to go ally color. I was sad. I really wanted to do enemy color, but he, his logic was very solid. Eric's logic usually is very solid, of which we weren't really changing things. We were keeping things too much the same. So once we shifted to ally, I had a little problem. Um, so if you, one of the things, uh, the obvious place to center a wedge is in the enemy color. Um, if you go back and look at the shards from Shards of Alara, we centered it in, you know, the color that had two allies. So Band was centered in white. Esper was centered in blue. Um, the problem here was, one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to keep the aspect of the dragon all the way through. In fact, early on, the idea was the clans were just going to be the clans. Um, so that, for example, we'd have Mardu, that Mardu would exist all the way through, just what Mar Mardu meant would change. So Mardu, when it first comes out, is white, black, red, and then when Mardu came out in the last set, it would just be um, red, black. The problem was, we didn't have official names for the wedges, and one of the reasons we wanted to do wedges was to give them names so people had names for them. But we were then concerned that if we went to two-color and we had something that was the names people would use for three-color, being two-color, it was going to cause confusion. And we really did want the names associated with the three-color concept. So um, we ended up not doing that. So originally, the original idea, by the way, was Mardu was going to go all the way through. It was going to be the dragging you know, of the aspect of speed, and it's going to be the symbol of, of um, the, uh, the wings. So the idea was we wanted consistency all the way through. The problem was if we went to ally colors... Um, we had to take out the enemy. 
So, for example, if Mardu was going to be in the first set and Mardu's going to be in the third set, the thing Mardu was going to lose was going to be um, white. And white is the enemy color. White is enemy of red and enemy of black. So we couldn't center the clans in their enemy color because then when we went to the end of the... Like, the idea was there was a consistency. This clan might change, might not be taken over by dragons, but it it was still about speed. It still had a central identity to it. And we knew we had to remove the enemy color to do that, which meant we, can't, we couldn't center the clan in the enemy color. Now, when, when the set first came out, people asked me about that, because it's the obvious thing to do, and people are like, why aren't you doing it? But I didn't want you to know where we were going with Dragons of Tarkir, so I, had, I just could sort of say, well, okay, it, there's a reason. you got to trust me, there's a reason. Um, and the problem in general is people like knowing the reason, so people don't want to hear that there's a reason to come, but we can't tell you yet. Um, so anyway... That was the major reason. I mean, there's some other support, smaller supporting reasons, but the major reason was we knew we were pulling that piece out and we couldn't center it on it and then pull it out. Okay, so we knew red, black, white was speed. That made the most sense. Um, next, we were trying to figure out where to stick cunning. Well, cunning, the two powers that made the most sense for cunning were blue and white. Um, and if you wanted to put in blue and white, then Jeskai was the only place. And we're like, oh, well, it does have a trickery aspect to it, Red is the color of trickery. Red and blue are trickery. So, like, okay, you have the plotting and planning colors and the tricky colors. Okay, that makes sense. So, red, blue, white, that can be cunning. Um, we then looked at endurance, and we're like, well, endurance has to be in white. White, white is the most enduring color. Um, and green is probably number two as far as toughness. I mean, blue has some defensive qualities to it. Um, but we'd already done Jeskai, which was blue, white, red. And there was no other blue-white. That was the only blue-white combination. So, like, okay, we can't have blue and white. Well, white's more defensive than blue. And probably next is green. And then, we're like, looking at the last, we're like, well, um, if we... If you went white-green, the only choice then is to go with black. We're like, well, black has some defensive qualities. Okay. So, we decided endurance would be white-black, white-green-black. Okay. That left ruthlessness, and it left, um... Uh, savagery. So ruthlessness, well, clearly that wanted to be centered in black. Um, and it turned out that the place they wanted to center it was in the jungle. Kind of the themes they were playing off of was these opulent um, golden palaces in the jungle. So it kind of wanted this green quality to it. I'm like, okay. They also were pretty sneaky. So like black, blue made some sense. They definitely were, of all the clans, they had the most, you know, sneakiest quality to them. And they were manipulators. So like, okay, we'll make it black, blue, green. So that left... Uh, the last one, strength for red, green, uh, blue. Green being center of it made a lot of sense, because um, green really is about sort of might mix right to a certain extent. And red made a decent amount of sense. Blue was a little bit tricky, but we said, you know what? Blue is about perfection. Normally we talk about mental perfection, but it's also about physical perfection. It's about making yourself the best you could be. These creatures are trying to survive in the, in the harsh wilderness. Okay, they have this certain physical perfection quality. Not mental perfection, but a physical perfection. We don't play that aspect of the blue enough, but okay, it makes sense. So we had our connections, and what we did is um, we centered them where it made sense. Speed got centered in red. So Mardu was centered in red. Cunning got centered in blue. That made a lot of sense. Uh, so Jeskai was in blue. Ruthlessness got centered in black. That was salt dice. That got centered in black. Um, endurance got centered in white. So Abzan was in white. Made sense. And then Strength was centered in green. So Teamer was in green. That all made sense. Okay, now that we had those, we needed to figure out the mechanics. Sorry, I'm, I go back and forth. There's a lot. One of the things about telling stories like this is there's so many little layers to it that I start telling one part and I want to tell another part and i got to explain this first. And, uh, so stick with me. 
Um, okay, so we liked Raid. Raid made perfect, perfect sense in Mardu. Um, so we stuck it there. It's like, it, it's, it's, we knew that Mardu was going to be tied, sort of the Mongol flavor of just, uh, creatures on horseback with archers constantly attacking, and anyway, we liked that as the speed clan. Okay, they, we're going to give them Raid. Um, okay, the next mechanic we came up with, um, I think was, I can't remember the order of this. Um, well, early on, we, okay, maybe Delve was next. So we knew we were doing Ruthlessness. Um, I, so Delve had been made during Future Sight. I made it as a mechanic that was just, I was trying to explore different things we would do. I knew we would do other graveyard sets, so I'm like, oh, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll tease a graveyard mechanic. Um, we made three Delve cards. They were pretty powerful. So people really liked Delve. There was just enough of it that people could sort of connect to it. And so Delve was probably the mechanic we were getting the most requests for. Um, I tried to put an in Innistrad, but what I learned is Delve doesn't work in a graveyard set because it eats up all the graveyard, and in a graveyard set, you want the graveyard around to do cool things with. Um, but it turned out that the Sultai meshed around the graveyard and had zombies, and there's definitely a death aspect to them. It made a lot of sense in black. So I'm like, okay. Delve the first time around was in black and blue. Um, okay, so why don't we... What if we made Delve? So we went and talked to the creative team. They, they thought that Delve is a good fit. I'm like, okay, we'll do Delve. So Delve got added in. Um, we Delve is an interesting place where, in general, we tend to do... Um, when we do clans like this, we tend to do newer mechanics. Um, we already were bringing back Morph, so I didn't need to bring back a mechanic. But I feel the feature site mechanics aren't really bringing them back. I mean, obviously the public's seen them, but we've given you three Delve cards in the existence of Delve. It's not a lot of cards. I'm like, well, in some level, we're really giving it to you for the first time. I mean, I understand you, we gave you a sampling of it before, but never in great volume. You know, it, it was hard to make a Delve deck with three cards. And now, and, and now we're, we're giving you more. Plus, we're also extending into green because we're, you know, in salt time. So anyway, we bring Delve back. Next, I think... Um, I think next was Prowess. So Prowess, originally, I, we were trying to find a mechanic that was sneaky. Um, we liked the idea... Remember, um, one of the things in general that we were trying to do was get as much combat-oriented stuff as we could. Raid, obviously combat-oriented. Uh, Delve was not necessarily combat-oriented, although we, we made a bunch of cards that could be used in combat. Um, so we were trying to figure out, I wanted just So Jeskai was based on the, 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 the Sultai monks, the, the you know, uh, monks, uh, you know, the Kung Fu monks up, up in the temples and, the, you know, learning the ancient ways and this and that. Um, and... So we were trying to figure out a way to make them sneaky but have a combat element to them. And then um, I came up with the idea of... or Well, we'll get to this in a second. I thought... It came to me. Um, what if we did a mechanic that just wanted you to play spells? That every time you played a spell, the creature got a little boost. And so the idea originally was, okay, this creature gets plus one, plus one whenever you play a spell. Uh, and we tried that, and it was a little too strong... So then we came up with the idea of... Because originally the idea was we were going to do five mirrored mechanics in Dragon's Dark here. We do five mechanics, and then those mechanics would be mirrored in some way. So there would be a tie between them. So the, the speed mechanic of the first set and the speed mechanic of the third set would have a mechanic that was sort of connected between them. That's the original idea. 
Um, we would later realize that it was too close, that what we wanted to do was two mechanics that were synergistic with each other, but not that were directly tied because we wanted to feel dragons feel different. Um, but anyway, we broke it up into two parts. One was plus one plus one whenever you cast a creature, and plus one plus one whenever it was a non-creature. Um, and I decided I wanted to start with a non-creature, um, and we'd save the creature one for dragons. Then I'm getting dropped, never done. Um, and we played with it, and it was, it was really, it played really fun. It's one of those mechanics that on the surface seemed like it wouldn't matter that much, and when you started playing it, like, it matters quite a bit. It's actually a pretty good mechanic. Um, and so what happened was, we're playing this mechanic. So one day we're having a playtest, and John Lauks was, uh, was working at the Wizards at the time, um, in our digital department, at, in R&D, uh, and he had playtested, or he looked at the file or something, and he said, oh, I'm so excited you used, and he named some name of the mechanic. And I go, oh... Turns out that in the Great Designer Search 2, um, John had turned in a mechanic that was similar to Prowess, very similar to Prowess, and I had given him a note saying, because he had a, he had a much bigger reward. And my note was, you know, it could just be plus one plus one, that would be fine. Um, and so obviously it was implanted in my brain when I saw an opportunity, I made use of it, and then forgot that's where I got it from. And so he's like, hey, you used my mechanic. I'm like, yes, we did. Um, so the John Luck special Prowess, and by the way, we had such fun with Prowess. Prowess proved to be such a cool mechanic through design and through development that it became clear that it was solving a m- bigger meta problem. One of the things in Magic that we always try and solve is Blue has lacked having a creature combat mechanic. Blue in general has always been shy of creature mechanic. It doesn't have an overlap with Red, and it needs something that's creature-oriented. And Prowess is like, works in Blue. In fact, makes a lot of sense in Blue. Blue's a spell card. Being rewarded for spells is good. Um... It's a combat mechanic. We've been looking for a combat mechanic for blue, and it's one that's really flavorful and makes sense in blue. And blue and red don't have an overlap and makes a lot of sense to stick this in red. So, like, Prowess was the perfect answer. Now, we figured this out um, before... I mean, long before you guys saw it. Um, <coughs> a lot of said, but what happens if it had come out and we didn't like it? You know, the audience didn't like it. I'm like, well... We have a lot of faith. If we play something and we really like it, we, we have a good sense that, you know, we're, we're magic players too. So we, we thought it was going to be a, a big hit. And in fact, Prowess is interesting. So we do two market, uh, we do market research on our sets. We do two different ones each set. One the kind of when it comes out and one a little bit later. And when we did the test for the first set, when it first came out, Prowess was fit five out of five of keyword mechanics of the clan mechanics. And we're like, uh-oh. You know, because we knew we had already advanced this. And then the next one, it was... I don't know, number two, maybe? And then once we got to Favor Forge, it was like the number one clan mechanic. So it, it was, uh, it like, definitely with time, really grew with people. Once people, the first impression, one of those mechanics, the first impression is like, eh, that doesn't seem anything special. And you play with it, and you're just, you're really wowed by all the cool things it does. It's really a, a neat mechanic. Okay, so we had Prowess. Um, next, um, we messed around... We wanted something that dealt with things being big in Teamer. It was a strength it was a strength clan. So we wanted to mess around with something that had to do with, okay, things are bigger. Um, and so what we did was we said, okay, what if we just cared about you having something of a certain size? Um, Naya, in the shard uh, we had did with, um, back in charge of Lara, Naya had a mechanic that kind of cared about having five power creatures. Um, it wasn't a named thing. Um, so we decided that we would do something, make it a little bit smaller, and name it. So originally it was three power or greater, uh, and then in development it turned out three was a little too easy, so they changed it to four power. 
uh, and, and to be called ferocious. Um, what do we call it? Um, we called it power up. Uh, the, the outlast, which I'll get to in a second, was called hunker down, and this, this we called power power up, I believe. Um, Prowess, by the way, was called kung fu in design. Raid was raid, and um, delve was delve because delve was a re- returning mechanic. Um, okay, and, and by the way, because we had um, Prowess called kung fu, we had a lot of silly kung fu names like everyone's kung fu fighting and stuff like that. Okay, anyway, um, so uh, Ferocious, is that right? Ferocity? Hold on. Uh, It was called Ferocious. Um, Ferocious was fun just because it sort of said, hey, you need to just get a big creature in play and we'll reward you. Um, One of my favorite interactions, by the way, was there's the interaction where you could have Ferocious and um, Prowess and if the prowl creature was three power and you cast a uh, ferocious spell, it would make it go to four in such a time that when it resolves, it would trigger the ferocious. That's a great combo. Anyway, I love that. One of the things that's fun is when you make different factions is making sure that you create cards so the different factions work together. We'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Um, okay, so we, we got ferocious. We played with that. The last mechanic was we were trying to get for... Um, for Abzan was the endurance mechanics. We wanted something that sort of said, okay, I'm playing for the long game. Um, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm the slowest of the five decks of the, of the, of the wedge decks. Um, I'm the endurance deck. I'm going to outlast you, so I'm going to be the slowest deck. Um, and so we liked the idea of something that got strength over time. Um, so the original version of Outlast, which was called Hunker Down, um, was you could choose to not attack. And if you chose to not attack... Um, or attack or block. You could choose to not attack or block, and then you would get a plus one, plus one counter. Um, eventually, we made you tap it because it was confusing. It was confusing that um, you couldn't block. You, you had said it can't block, but then it still was untapped. Um, and eventually, tapping at the same time as attacking caused confusion because you thought it was attacking. Um, so then development... I think ended up doing it at end of turn. Um, uh, and, and then it just turned into a tap. It's like, anytime you want, you can tap this. You obviously can't attack with it and do it. So, you know, functionally this replaced tapping. Um, and then the other thing that Eric really did was um, Outlast originally, there wasn't a lot of reason to play them together. Uh, in fact, there's reason not to play them together because most of them required mana to use the Outlast and you only had so much mana. So, Aaron, uh, not Aaron, uh, Eric was trying to figure out how to get people to play um, in Abzan to get more of a mechanic in it. And so he stumbled across the idea of making plus one, plus one counters matter. So the Outlast gets plus one counters on your creatures, and then they make, they make it matter. So the reason you want to play a lot of Outlast creatures is, well, this one says, I get an Outlast, and I get a bonus, I get Lifelink or something, if I have Outlast. Oh, well, if I have a bunch of Outlast creatures and, and upgrade all of them, then my bonuses will apply to each one of them. Um... Okay, so um, we messed around. Uh, the the teamer mechanic we messed around a lot with, and we messed around a bit with the Obzon mechanic. Um, now that I think of it, I'm not sure whether Outlast or um, Ferocious was fifth. One was fourth, one was fifth. Um, I know we talked a lot with development. One of the things that we do now is we'll meet with development partway through and show the mechanics and just get general feedback. Um, like, Eric was concerned about the Outlast ones not linking with each other. Uh, like I said, that got fixed in development. Um, 
There were a bunch of other things. Eric also, I know with Prowess, he thought the plus one, plus one might not be enough. Uh, so they changed it to plus two, plus two for a while in development. Uh, and then they discovered how plus one, plus one was much more potent than it seemed at first blush. Uh, plus two, plus two was kind of crazy. Um, okay, so I'm almost to work. So, um, so we had our mechanics. Um, we, oh, the next thing we needed to do was we needed to figure out the flavor so one of the things we were doing was we were telling a time travel story. So we wanted to make sure that our set uh, played into the tropes of time travel. What that meant was, well, it was the present, then it was the past, and then it was an alternate present. And so we wanted to make sure that as we were doing that, that we, um, we could make... We, there was a correlative thing that would be fun. Like we knew, for example, that if you're going present to the past, well, you could do something and you could see it in the past. Now, originally when we were doing this, um, I think our scope of what the time difference between the present and the past was a little closer. And then when the development team, uh, sorry, when the creative team figured it out, it ended up being over a thousand years. Like, oh, okay. Um, but there's still things we could do. You could have a, a fresh building that's, you know, uh, in ruins. You could have, uh, you know, a, a creature that lived a long time, like a tree folk or something, or a giant turtle. Um, so we, we, we came up with a whole bunch of different things that we thought would be connective tissue. And the connective tissue, some of it was, here's present-day things that go to the past with um, Favor Forge. Some of the things were, here's present-day that go to alternate reality, so you can see the alter with, with uh, Dragon's Attack here. Some of it was something that would go in all three, so you could see the contrast between the three. Um, but anyway, um, we, we implanted that stuff, and we talked with the creative team, and, and we brainstormed a whole bunch. They brainstormed a whole bunch. And so we, we included a bunch of that stuff. Um, the other thing that was really important was trying to figure out how to weave Morphin carefully. Some of it was choosing mechanics that, that made sense. Oh, let me talk another important uh, discovery of Morph. So one of the things that uh, I, I talked about this was there was big discussion when, we first, when Eric and I first sat down of whether or not we wanted to change Morph. Should Morph be two mana? It would have to have a new name. When we called Morph, it'd be we were calling it Borf, which wouldn't be the real name. Um, or whether it wanted to stay the same three mana. And so um, Eric originally said three mana, and then late in the process had second thoughts. And we were doing so well in design that we said, you know what? Let's do an experiment. So we spent uh, it's going to be a month, ended up being about six weeks. We made a parallel file we called Fui. Um, uh, he, that's the fourth in the comics with um, Huey Dewey and Louie. Uh, Huey, Louie, and Dewey. See, see how hard it is? Even I mess it up and I know them. Um, uh, every once in a while, the artist would draw a fourth duck by mistake, and it happened enough that they had an in-joke name for the fourth duck, which was Fooey. So anyway, um, what we did was we made a parallel version of the file, changed all of the morph cards into morph cards, then adapted them to make sense for them being that, then changed all the file around it to match that, and then tried playing with that. Um... And we learned a lot of things, and a lot of the things we learned got applied to the design. Um, but in the end, it became clear that the problem with Borf was it was so much more efficient that you just played every Borf creature you had, and most of the time, you were just smashing Borf creatures into Borf creatures, and nobody was turning them face up. Like, the fun of Morph is you get to turn face up. What is it? Ah, it's this. And some of the time it doesn't get turned face up, but the majority of the time, you, know, you, you get to see a lot of what, what the, the Morph creatures are. In Borf World, you almost never saw it. They were just, it was just colorless three tutus that people were smashing into each other. And it really was losing some of its specialness. And that, 
Um, it did make the cards a little more playable and constructed, but we, it was losing what made it special. And so part of, part of any mechanic is trying to hold on to what makes the mechanic special. And so we wanted to make sure that, that, that Morph was doing what Morph wanted to do. So we ended up not changing the Morph. I mean, we did do the playtesting to, to look, to figure it out. Anyway, um, so we had our five mechanics. We knew we were playing with Morph. We knew, um, so we, the next step, and we'll talk about this next time, is we had a lot of flavor to layer in. We had a lot of stuff to work in. Um, we had sort of our, skeleton, our, our mechanical skeleton and a lot of the pieces how it was going to come together. Um, but this set had a lot of flavor in it, and we had a lot of work to do to sort of get there. So next time, I will talk about what we needed to do to start getting the flavor in the set. Uh, and probably by next time, I will get into, start getting into the cards by cards. But anyway, I'm in my parking space. We all know what that means. Means is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. See you guys next time.